Remember we said the first week, we said that keys are simply a way of doing something. It is what gets you access. See, the key is not what you're looking for. The key is how you get to what you're looking for. See, the key to my truck is not what's going to get me home that day. The truck's getting me home. But the key gives me access, and the key gives me the ability to start the vehicle and get me on my way home. And many times, uh, we are looking for healing, and we're looking for uh, you know, financial provision. We're looking for these things, but we don't have the key to get us in. And we've got it sitting in front of us. Jesus has already given us access to it. And so we, ha- we hold all these keys, but we don't know how to get it to work. And so the keys of the kingdom are God's way of doing things. That is God's way of getting healing. God's way of getting peace in your life. God's way of bringing financial provision. And so we're going to take time to look at what God's way is for doing those things because in the kingdom of God, it will directly contrast everything we see in this world. See, in this world, how do you get more? By keeping it to yourself. But in the kingdom of God, you get more by giving it away. Completely contrasts. And so we have to learn to rely on the keys that God has given us, or else we will simply resort to doing things the way the world does. We will find ourselves trying to get money the way the world does. We'll find ourselves trying to get to feel better the way the world does. We'll find ourselves limiting ourselves to those things. Uh, And so we have to understand what these keys are. Uh, Last week we took some time uh, to look at what we're letting go of. Because if you're going to understand God's way of doing things then you've got to understand that the way you have been doing things is not how it operates any longer. That's the biggest thing that will combat everything else that we say from this pulpit. Everything I tell you is how God wants to do something. And when I say that, you will immediately think in your head, but that's not how I've done it before. That's not how I see it reflected in front of me. And so last week we took some time to get rid of that conflict, get rid of that, but this is how I used to do it. Because how you used to do it was when you used to be in the world and we're no longer in the world, we are in the kingdom of God. So there's a way to get it to work. And so tonight I want to talk about a very important concept of the kingdom. In fact, if we don't understand this concept, you won't understand the kingdom at all. And it is the concept of citizenship concept of citizenship. The title of my message is, I Know My Rights. And we've probably heard that many times. We may have even used it before in our own lives. I have my rights. I know my rights. You know what, as an American citizen, you know what rightfully belongs to you. And so citizenship in the kingdom of God, uh, I am convinced that people don't live a kingdom life because they don't understand the concept of citizenship. It's something for us that uh, I can easily answer for all of us. We take it for granted day in and day out because we live in America and we don't really have to exercise rights of citizenship. Our benefits and our privileges, they just come to us. I can be up here preaching to you right now, but if if I was in a different nation and didn't have the same rights and privileges, I couldn't. So there's different things that we adhere to and we live according to just on a regular daily basis and we're not thinking twice about it. We're not thinking twice about uh, things that in other countries people have to fight for. 
But people are not allowed to do. And people have to do in secret. Uh, so citizenship is very important. Here are some concepts real quick before we get in the word uh, that, I, that you have to understand about citizenship. First of all, citizenship is the most sacred privilege of any nation. Of any nation, citizenship, being a citizen of a country, a nation, a kingdom, is the most sacred privilege. Uh, it is guarded and protected. Citizenship is guarded and protected. It is not handed out. You can't just walk up to someone and say, hey, I want to be a citizen of your country. It doesn't work that way. There are ways to become a citizen. Obviously, the most common way is being born into the nation. You are automatically a citizen in that regard. And it cannot be easily taken away. There's no one in this room that someone could just walk up and take away your citizenship to the, Ameri- to the United States of America. can't happen. Now, people fight for this. There are people that, that risk it all to try to gain it. When you think about right now, there are people from other countries, most commonly Mexico, that are fighting and risking everything they have to get into this nation. That is what citizenship does. In this regard, citizenship is the lure to a government system. Citizenship and the benefits and the privileges of being a citizen of the United States of America is what lures people to this country to want to be here. It's not necessarily the president. It's not necessarily the way we do things. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, our cities, our restaurants. You know, they're usually not coming here and saying, well, I just really want to go to Chili's so bad. I just want Chili's. If I could just have Chili's. (laughs) I just want to have Walmart. They're not saying that. They're saying, I, I want to be able to work and, and, and make a living for myself. I want to be able to be protected. Uh, I, I want There's different rights and privileges and benefits that you have in your country that we don't have in our country. And so that is what lures them in. Now, look at this. I, here's the issue that we have with the kingdom of God. How many of you see people? On a regular daily basis, I'm not talking maybe once here and there, on a regular daily basis fighting to get into the kingdom. Like they, are just, they just want to get in so bad. They want to be a Christian. They want to know about God. They're coming to you every day. You can't even keep them off of you. How many of you had that problem? Nobody. Right now, the door is wide open. Anybody can walk in and attend this church service. And we're the ones in here. I don't have a line outside. I don't have anyone beating down this door. And the reason for this is, is because the church has not been a proper model of the kingdom of God. The church, and I don't mean the building, I mean its citizens. I mean us, believers. We have not properly modeled the kingdom life. We, we haven't understood it. And what we have modeled is that we are a place and a people that call ourselves one thing, but we do everything else the way the world does it anyways. There's fighting and bickering in the church. There's complaining in the church. There's opinion, uh, uh, people's opinions, people wanting to get their way. I have never met one person that has uh, been offended or hurt by a church 
that only came to church with the mindset of what can I bring to church? I've never met that person. The reason people get offended and hurt in church and by churches is because they were looking to get something and people didn't appease them or they didn't receive what they thought they were going to receive there. They were always looking to to go away with something different. Now, when we go to church, should we leave differently? Yes. Should we leave with something that we didn't have when we came? Yes. But the getting is in the giving. The receiving from church is in the, the mode and the attitude of coming to church with the thought process of, I am coming to be an asset to my church tonight. I am coming bringing something to church today. There is someone that needs what I have inside of me. There's someone that needs a word of encouragement. There's some children that need to be taught the word of God. There's a hand that I need to shake. That's the the mode and the attitude that we should be coming to church with. But instead, people come to church with the idea that everyone there is going to make them feel good. The pastor is going to have a really good sermon that is going to make them feel good. A lot of people just go to church because they'll know... If I go to church, I'll have done something good for the week, and then I can go back and do what I want to do. So because of that model, we don't have the lure of citizenship. We just look like a bunch of people that get to do everything the world does, get to talk the way they, work, the way they do. In fact, we have the same problems they do, and we don't have any bigger answers than they do. When a person in the church loses their job, it should not look like someone who is in the world losing a job. We should not be frantic and worrying and complaining and grumbling and wondering what in the world are we going to do tomorrow. We shouldn't. Bottom line. But yet we look just like the world. So what's the world thinking? Well, they don't have anything I don't have. See, Mexico, people in Mexico want to come to America because they see Americans having something they don't already have. Why in the world would a Mexican want to come to America if we've already got everything they have? Why would a Cuban? Why would a Puerto Rican? Why would anybody from any other country want to come to the United States if we've already got what they have? America, you've already got the problems I have. You're already at war. You already have a government that's falling apart. You already have an economic system that's going down. But what is it? We still have privileges and benefits as United States citizens that they don't have, that they want. So understanding citizenship is important for us as citizens because we're the ones drawing people into the kingdom of God. But if you live like a citizen of the world, they're not going to see anything different from what they're already in today. Now, here's what a lot of churches are doing, and I hate it. A lot of churches, to get the world in the door, they're just trying to look more like the world. Oh, you're after entertainment? All right, well, we can entertain you. You like bright lights? We've got lights. You like loud music? We've got loud music. When what people are really searching for is the kingdom of God. And so instead of offering them the kingdom, we're just offering them more of what they seem to already like. You like to be able to to, uh, eat and drink anywhere you want, like a movie theater? We can do that. Go ahead and bring your coffee and your Snickers bar on in church. We're fine. 
Again, I'm not dogging all these little things, but what I'm saying is, is instead of causing people to rise to a new standard, we've gone down and said, well, let's go ahead and get them where they're at. And that's not even what Jesus did. I mean, how in the world is Jesus going to tell someone who he has not even died on the cross yet, finds a, 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 a woman caught in adultery and tells her, go and sin no more. Tell me Jesus isn't calling someone to rise to a new standard. I don't accuse you. No one here accuses you. Where have all your accusers gone? No one here is going to throw a stone. Now go and sin no more. This woman doesn't even have the ability to not sin. What's he doing? He's causing her to arise to another level. And that's what the church is supposed to do. But because of ignorance in our citizenship, because of ignorance in who the church really is, we have begun to magnify the wrong thing. We've begun to show the world something that the church isn't even supposed to be. And so this is what's going to get the church back in its place. This is what's going to help us appropriate the keys of the kingdom. Citizenship is not membership. See, religion, religion runs off of membership. You're a member of this church, or you're a member of this sect, or you're a member of this group. But, re, but the kingdom doesn't operate that way. The kingdom operates off of citizenship. You see, membership can be taken away. I mean, I, I just heard just recently um, of a pastor who got kicked out of his doctrine, got kicked out of his denomination. They said... Sorry, we're parting ways. He said something or did something they didn't like. You can't happen in the United States. They may lock you away, but you're not going to take away your citizenship. Well, you're not a citizen of this country anymore. You are now a citizen of Mexico. You are now a citizen of Germany. It doesn't happen that way. Membership doesn't hold the weight and the value that citizenship does. And like I said, citizenship contains benefits and privileges. Benefits and privileges for us. We have access to the help of the government that we're a citizen of. See, because you're a citizen of the United States of America, you can call on them to help you. If your house is burning, if you've been robbed, guess what? The United States of the government is going. The United States government is going to come to your aid, come to your side. If you lose your job, if you need help with medical, whatever, the first thing they're going to look for. I've had to sign many documents even just recently, asking me, am I a citizen of the United States of America? That's the first thing they want to know. That's the first thing they want to know. So there's weight there. There's value that, again, on a daily basis, we don't even regard it. We disregard it because it's just common. We take it for granted. How do we get access into the kingdom of God? How do we become a citizen? John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 1. Jesus has a conversation here. Jesus has a conversation here. And he identifies how you get into the kingdom of God. John 3 verse 1, he's talking to a man named Nicodemus and he says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, 
unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this is this is a funny conversation here because Nicodemus didn't ask a question. He didn't ask how he could see it. He said, we all know that you can't do these things unless you are from God. The things you're doing, the, the people you're healing, the miracles that are taking place, the, the dead people that are rising up, you can't do that unless you actually come from God. And Jesus goes and says, you can't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. He's locating him. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell it. You cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Right here, he is noting, I'm not talking about fleshly. I'm not talking about in this world. He's identifying that this kingdom is a kingdom you cannot see. So being born again is being born of again of a way you cannot see. He's identifying here. He's separating out the two because Nicodemus is stuck on what he is seeing happen. See, Nicodemus was seeing the miracles that were taking place. He was seeing the signs and the wonders. He was seeing the people that were being healed. He was seeing the demons that were being cast out. But he didn't know where it was coming from. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you can't see the kingdom of God. You're seeing miracles. You're seeing signs. But if you want to see the kingdom, if you want to know how I'm really doing what I'm doing, you need to be born again. Well, Nicodemus based upon his track record of only looking at the natural, goes right back to the natural. What do you mean you, can, you, can, you need to be born again? I can't go back into my mom and be born again. And Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about being born of flesh. I'm talking about being born of the water and of the Spirit. To gain citizenship and to gain access to the kingdom of God, the first thing you have to do is you have to be born again. Just like anybody in this room, you are a United States citizen because you were born in the United States of America. You didn't have to go fight for it. You didn't have to go sign papers. You didn't have to do anything. You were born here. And by birthright, you are a citizen of the United States of America. It's the same way. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. He's saying you can't work for it. You can't pay enough money for it. There's no way you can obtain it. It is a gift from God, and by being born of the kingdom, you are a citizen of the kingdom. You become a citizen by being born of the kingdom. There is no other way. There is no other way. Now, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 shows us that before you're in the kingdom of God, you are in a different kingdom. 
we know that in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam sinned, he did not just refuse to do what God told him to do. He handed over a kingdom. And in essence, you could say that Adam was exiled from the kingdom of God. Adam is now outside the kingdom of God. Adam is now outside the way God intended man to operate. And not only Adam, but Romans tells us that because of the sin of one man, all have sinned and all are born outside of the kingdom of God. When you were born into this world, you were born spiritually in sin. You were born spiritually into another kingdom. Look at this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says that Jesus, he, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, that word conveyed means transferred. And you're going to start to see as we, as we continue to make light of the kingdom, as we continue to show what the kingdom of God is all about and, and identify it through God's word, that Paul used words use specific words to convey certain messages. And when he used the word conveyed, he used the word transferred, and that was a word that was used to denote being moved or movement from one kingdom to another. He was talking about when a, when a country goes and conquers another nation, and they conquer that, they, they take over that nation, and they would transfer, convey, move those citizens into a different kingdom. And you've heard me say before that based upon history, when a country would take over another country, they would go in, take those citizens, and take them back to their country. Rome did this differently. They would go out, conquer other nations. They were the greatest empire because they expanded their territory, not just brought everyone back to their location. They didn't bring people back to Rome, and that made them Romans. They would go out, populate another country with Roman citizens, and make those citizens of that country Roman citizens as well. Citizens of Rome. And now you've got an empire that's spreading out rather than just staying at home in one localized area. So this word conveyed, this word transferred, is the actual movement of citizens out of one kingdom, out of one domain out of one territory into another that is what paul is talking about here he used this word specifically now here's what you have to understand gaining citizenship in the kingdom of god also means no longer being bound by being bound by satan's rule now, this is a very important concept because we have churches, we have pastors, we have believers today that still think they have some kind of, uh, that there is still some kind of control from the enemy. Well, you know, I still have to give in to sickness. You know, I still have to operate according to this world. You know, I'm in this world, not of it. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But this is an important concept because when you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, that means you are no longer bound by Satan's rule and his authority. And many times we don't make the connection. 
we stop at just being a citizen of the kingdom of God, but somehow, some way, we're still bound, and, and sickness and disease still has a place, lack and poverty still has a place, uh, fear and worry still has a place. Those things do not control us any longer. If they control you, it's because you have given yourself to it, not because it is still in control and authority over you and forcing you to live that way. And that's the connection we have to make. We have to bring these two together. We have to understand what it means to truly be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Because being a citizen of the kingdom of God, that means... I am not living according to sickness. I'm not living according to disease. I'm not living according to fear. It doesn't have any place in my life. I operate according to the kingdom of God. If, you're gonna, if you are going to appropriate and work the keys of the kingdom that we'll be talking about in weeks to come, you first have to understand that your citizenship gives you access to those keys. Otherwise, you're just going to think I'm telling you about a bunch of keys that one day you will have. This isn't a one-day kingdom. This isn't a one-day we'll get it. This isn't a one-day we'll get there. This isn't a one-day I'll have. This is today, now. The instant you asked Jesus into your heart, the instant you became saved, you became property of the kingdom of God. You became a citizen of the kingdom of God. Immediately. Instantly. There's no gradual. There's no perpetual. There's no one day. It happens immediately. So that means you're not limited to the world's resources. You're not limited to how Satan once controlled you. See, people in the world, how many of you thought when you were in the world and you were running your course and doing your thing, you thought you were doing what you wanted to do? I just want to do what I want to do. You're not doing what you want to do. You're doing what the devil wants you to do. Every person out there in the world that thinks they're doing what they want to do. I'm not going to be bound by no church. I'm not going to have no pastor tell me what to do. I'm not going to have a Bible tell me what to do. No, you're having the God of that world tell you what to do. There is someone that's in control. He is Satan. He is the devil. And he is working you and telling you what to do. And you are simply giving in. When you give in to your flesh, you are giving in to the devil. Period. But see, when you come out of that, when you gain access to the kingdom of God, you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, that is no longer your control. Believers that have been saved, that have been transferred, that still continue to live that way, are simply giving themselves over to the Satan. Satan is not controlling them. Satan does not have that power any longer. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul talks about those that are in the world. Paul talks about what that used to look like. In verse 11, he says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is separation, 
the law of commandments contained ordinances so that is so that so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace verse 16 and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Here it is, verse 19. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He's talking to Gentiles here. Let me paraphrase this. Let me summarize this. He's talking to Gentiles. Jesus came for the Jews. But then Jesus said, you go and make disciples of all nations. So the Gentiles, they were the outcast group. They were the ones that Jesus did not initially come for. So now this group of people that have been outcast, that have been outsiders, that have not had access to the kingdom of God, he's now telling them, you have access. Because what Jesus did on the cross is he tore down that wall that separated you. That, that middle wall of separation. He took away enmity. Enmity, which, which means making yourself an enemy to God. Enmity means there's a separation there. If there's enmity between a husband and wife, there is a separation between a husband and wife. There's a, there's a wall there that's keeping them from having a proper marriage relationship. And so he's saying you as Gentiles... And when, he's, when he says circumcision and uncircumcision, he's talking about the covenant. He's saying you were once outside of the covenant that God established with man. You were outside of the covenant that God said, I'll do my part, you do your part. You were outside of that. You were on your own. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, by his blood, he has redeemed you and he has brought you in. You're no longer separated. You're no longer on the outside. And then he says in verse 19, you're not strangers, you're not foreigners, but you're citizens. He's saying because of what Jesus has done on the cross, he has brought you in and made you a citizen. You now have the rights and the privileges that the believers do. You now have the rights and the privileges that the disciples do. You now have the rights and the privileges that the apostles do. He's saying, we're all, in the, we're all in this together. We're all on the same page. We don't have anything that you don't have access to. We have access to healing. You have access to healing. We have access to the presence of God. You have access to the presence of God. You are now a citizen. You are now legally obligated and legally have rights and privileges that you once didn't have and that we have. That's what he's saying here. We have to identify with that. See, we were apart. We were on the outside. We were outcasts. We didn't have access to the presence of God. We didn't have access to his power. We didn't have access to his healing. We didn't have access to his provision. But now that we are in the kingdom of God, now that we are citizens in his kingdom, now we have access to those things legally. I don't have to beg for it. I don't have to ask for it. It's already mine. See, I don't have to go and, 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 and ask and beg for my rights as, a, as an American citizen. 
They're mine. I have them. And if I was in another country, I still have them. If I was in another country and I lost my money and I, and I, and I lost everything, all I, have to go, it, all I have to do is just go to my embassy, a United States embassy, and I would have my rights and they would come to my aid. They would come to my aid. This is why people in the world, they don't have access to God if they haven't come into the kingdom of God. Well, I thought God loved everybody. Yes, God loved everybody, so he gave people access to his kingdom. But if you don't go through the door, you're still on the outside. And so we have to understand this citizenship. We have to understand the rights and the privileges that we have. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 17. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Here's the second part of what comes in as a citizen. We know we have rights. We know we have privileges. We know that we get in by birth, by being born into the kingdom. But now Philippians chapter 3 shows us another side. Verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example. And note that those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of who I have of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. Look what he says here. Who set their mind on earthly things. Verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying here is, look, there are many that have come into the kingdom, but still walk like the world. There are many that have been given access into the kingdom of God, but they still walk according to their former kingdom. They still live and look like the, the, the former rule. See, I said earlier that you are no longer bound to the former rule and the former kingdom that you came from. Satan is no longer in control of you. That also means that you're not limited to their resources. You've heard me say that many times. Many of us just easily and quickly put our, uh, put our limits to what the world has to offer us. If we lose our job in the world, then... How's the world going to take care of me? How's my natural government going to take care of me? If I get sick, then what natural remedy is out there to take care of me? If, if, if I'm in grief or if something tragic happens in my life, then what kind of counseling or, or what kind of therapy can I go through naturally? But see, as a kingdom citizen, we don't have to be limited to those things. We don't have to be limited to pills and doctors for healing. We don't have to be limited to surgical procedures. We don't have to be li- limited to welfare and, and looking for a job and even for a job to be our source of income. We don't have to be limited to, to therapy and, and counselors and psychiatrists when we, are, when we have something happen and we fall into worry or fear or depression. That's what the world is limited to. But here's the other side of it. Because you are now a citizen of the kingdom of God, 
we now have a responsibility to live according to that kingdom's principles. That's the other side. There's a, respons- there's a responsibility that we adhere to the standards and the principles of the kingdom of God. Paul is saying right here, don't walk like they walk. That word walk means live. Don't live like the world lives. That they have actually made themselves enemies of the cross. And he said, of, of those whom I have told you many times, and I tell you now even weeping. He's saying, there's people that I've mentioned to you. There's people that I've pointed out to you. They're not living according to the kingdom of God. Don't live like them. Remember that guy I told you about that, you know, you go to church with him, but he's not living right. And I've told you about him. I've identified him to you. Don't live like that guy. He's made himself an enemy of the cross. We have a responsibility. I don't have this verse in there, Jimmy. But I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul breaks down. If I can pull it up. uh, Paul breaks down this lifestyle of how the world lives. See, we have rights and privileges, but there's also responsibilities. You know right now, as as a United States citizen, you have a responsibility to live a certain way in this country. You're going to stop at red lights. You're not going to kill people. You're not going to rob people. Uh, you're, You're going to register your vehicles. I mean, there's little things. Do we have rights and privileges? Yes. Do we have benefits? Of course. But we have responsibilities as a United States citizen that we adhere to. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Now, real quick, I want to point out and where we just read Philippians chapter 3. Remember, he said that they have their minds set on earthly things. What did Jesus say when he came preaching the kingdom? What was the first word he brought? Repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you are going to live according to the governing authority of the kingdom of God, you're going to have to change the way you think. That means you're going to have to do you're going to have to change the way you think about things. You're going to have to change the way you react to things and the way you respond to things. There's a different system that's in operation in the kingdom of God, and now you have to set your mind to that. So look what he says here in Ephesians chapter 4, 